Thanks so much for joining us tonight. I'm excited to be with you guys from wherever you are. Tonight, I'm Pastor Daniel, and I'm excited to get to share with you a little bit of where I think a lot of us are at. Philippians chapter four, verse six says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And I feel like this is such a timely word, such a timely verse. Right now, so many people are dealing with these different pressures, anxieties, change, and, and they're just, they're all over the place and they're not even the same. Um, when, when I hear this, some people are, are really uptight because they're really worried their kids are gonna go back to school. And some others are really worried because their kids might not go back to school. And some people are worried because they're gonna have to go to work in the middle of this. And others are worried because they don't have work to go to in the middle of this. And it's been crazy. And as I've, my wife and I have been doing these seven at sevens where we, we lead the church in uh, a word of encouragement, confession and a prayer each weekday morning at 7 a.m. And we get on there and people interact with us and they put in their prayer requests and we're praying for them. And the other day we got a prayer request and prayer request here was like, hey, my kids are, are going to go back to school and I'm really nervous about it. And then prayer request here was, I'm nervous my kids might not get to go back to school. And it was amazing to see back, almost back-to-back requests in opposite directions. As with all of this change, it's affecting so many of us differently, but still um, it's weighing on a lot of people, whether it's money, whether it's their job, whether it's their health, whether it's the kids in school. As we go through all of this and we hear this verse and it's like, don't be anxious about anything, most of us are like, hey, that's timely. But for some of us, it just feels not empty. That's not the right, the right word, but it feels impossible. It feels uh, great theoretically, but you go, yeah, it's, it's, it's great to, to not to worry, but how? How do you not worry right now? How do you not worry when your company's laying these people off? How do I not worry when uh, so a coworker got sick? How do I not worry? And there's all of these different situations. And sometimes it gets into this, uh, yes, that's great. Yes, that's theoretically amazing. But, but how do I do that in real life? Um, and, and part of this um, d- depends on what you, what you believe determines where you look and where you look determines what you find. Um, if I go to the sock drawer, I'm not gonna find a t-shirt. If I go looking for money for security, I'm not gonna find it. I might find it for a little while, but as soon as the stock market hits a bump, as soon as my source of income looks like it's shaken, all of a sudden, I, my, my security is gone. And that's where so many people have found themselves. They, they had these different areas and these different things that they were looking to. They were going, is, is this going to, to keep me safe? Is this going to make me secure? And they put their trust in different things and those things have been, have been rocked. But uh, when, when you know where your strength comes from, when you know and you have a relationship and you have something secure that you can trust in, it changes things. It changes it immensely. Uh, the Bible says to cast all your cares on God because he cares for you. If we, if we forget that we have a rock to turn to, we turn to the wrong place. But when we know that we have a, su- a supply, when we know that our God is more than enough, that our God is able and that he's there for us, it changes things. 
And when we're looking to him, it takes the weight off of us. I'm assuming that everybody has gone out to eat at least once in their life. And I've discovered that restaurants can be expensive. There are restaurants that are cheap. There are restaurants that are, that are super expensive. But one of the things that I learned is if I go on my own to a restaurant, I have to pay. There's other people that I go to and that if I go to the restaurant with them, I have to pay for me, for them. And yeah, I've got a, a family of six. So when we go out to eat, it costs more because there's six of us. Unless I go out to eat with my dad. And, and there's just this beautiful thing of when I go to a restaurant on my own, you take it and like, and maybe this is just because I'm Dutch, like there's the, the items that you're looking at and then there's the price on the far side. I may look at the price before I look at the item deciding what it is that I want to eat because I'm, I'm conscious of, of how much I'm spending and, and that weight is, is on me. But if I go out to eat with my dad, my dad, since I was knee high to a grasshopper, like if I didn't have money, if I was going out to eat, he was paying for it. When, when I go with him, I look at the menu and I look at what it is that I actually want to eat. And I'm, I'm not sitting here going, see how much of a bill I can rack up for my dad. But there's this confidence when I'm, when I'm going out to eat with him. And when I know that he's got me, when I know that I don't carry the weight and what God invites us to do is to cast our cares on him because he can carry the weight. And there's so many areas that people put their, their hope and their security, whether that's in themselves, in their own strength, in their money, in their job. But all of these things can disappear so fast. But if we, if we place our trust in God, it brings such great strength and confidence if we know him. And so... I wanted to take a couple minutes and look at God, our supplier. Throughout the Bible, God does a lot of amazing and miraculous things. And as I was looking at it, I, thought, I began to think, when I think miracles in the Bible, my first thought is healings. And yes, there's some really cool like wonders as God split the Red Sea and there's these different miracles. But the first thing that comes to mind is like, hey, God does awesome, powerful things. I think of when he healed lepers and when... Uh, he opened the eyes of the blind and all of these different people that were healed. But as we go through some of these times where things are rough and people are struggling with anxiety in different areas, yes, if you're, if you're struggling with health or with fear about health, going and looking at God, our healer and our redeemer is amazing. But if you're struggling with the pressure of the finances and with the unknown. And you're, you're going, well, I need, I need to know that God is my supply and that I can count on him and that he's, he's got enough. You want to look at our God, our supplier. And when I saw some, some of the miracles that God did, I, I saw that Jesus actually did a bunch of miracles of provision. And so I sat down at my computer and I thought, I wonder how many miracles of provision I can find how many miracles of provision I can think of. And so I started and I started writing them down and, and they started coming. And I'm like, oh, okay, there's just a couple. There's another, there's another, there's another. I wrote down 35 different miracles and it's not even a complete list. In some of the list, there's groupings where it's like, oh, he provided this for this person, this person, this person, this person, and this person. And then later as I'm going back on the list, I'm thinking of others that didn't make the cut. And it just, it blew me away and I would love to share with you all 35 of these, but there's no way I'm going to get through 35 stories and lessons from those stories in 30 minutes. Uh, I can't talk that fast, and I'm fairly confident that you can't listen that fast, and there's just not a way that that's going to happen. 
So I looked at this list of, of amazing miracles that God did, and I saw some common threads that went through them and some lessons as we look at God, our provider, that I wanted to point out. So if you're new to the Bible, buckle up. We're going to have some fun. We're going to look at some, some fun stories. I'll make sure to include all the details that you need to know if you are not familiar with the story, but we'll reflect on a couple others too. So number one, thing that I noticed as I looked at these 35 miraculous acts of provision from God, one of the first things I noticed was that our God brings abundance out of lack. That our God brings more than enough when it doesn't seem possible. And you can go through a lot of different stories and see this. You can look at when God brought 2 million people into the desert and they're like, well, what are we going to eat? And he goes, I'll rain bread on you. Come out in the morning and gather it up. I'm going to rain down bread or rain down manna, which was more like a, a seedy flour that they would make into bread. And you're like, this is, this is crazy that God could, could bring food literally out of nothing. And he brought them meat and he brought them water. But as I was, I was thinking about this, there was a, there's a story in 2 Kings chapter 6 where the city of Samaria is under siege. And so there becomes a famine. There becomes severe lack. The enemies have them surrounded and they're like, there's, there's gonna be no food because they're not letting anybody in, anybody out. And it gets, it gets so bad. In 2 Kings 6, 25, it says it was a great famine in Samaria as they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and a fourth part of a cob of dung for five she- uh, shekels of silver. That's about a quart of dove poop. And I, I just can't imagine going out to eat and being like, what do you want to eat? Uh, I'll, I'll take the dove poop. Like, that's just ridiculous that they were eating dove poop and it was expensive. So, so they're, they, are, they are so much without that they are ready to eat poop. They are feeling hopeless. They're, they're actually spending a lot to try to eat some poop because they just don't have any options. And the prophet Elisha, says this. He says, he's talking to the king and there's one of the king's men who's with him. And king, he says, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow by this time, Asiya, again, that's going to be about a, a court, or no, actually, Asiya is seven courts. A fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. He says, by this time tomorrow, you're going to pay less for seven, you're gonna pay the same for seven quarts of fine flour that you are paying right now for, or it's gonna be less because it's one shekel instead of five shekels. For seven quarts of fine flour that you're paying for one quart of dove poop. And the guy sitting, the guy next to the king goes, there is no way on, there's no way if God opened up the windows of heaven that that could happen. And Elisha just turns to him and goes, you'll see it, but you're gonna miss out on it. And sure enough, that that as that next day comes in, there's a bunch of beggars, of, of lepers that are outside the city and they're out there and they're starving. And these guys look at each other and they go, if we go back to the city, they're starving in the city and they're all gonna die. If we stay out here, we're gonna die. If we walk into the enemy's camp, the worst thing that could happen is they could kill us and we're already gonna die. So they're like, let's do it. And they walk over there and they discover that the whole enemy army has just taken off, like run away, 
in terror. God made them afraid. They went running, dropping their weapons, dropping different stuff, trying to get away, trying to get lighter so they could run away as fast as they could. And these lepers get all excited. They run into one tent and they eat. And they run into another tent and they eat. And they grab some different stuff. And then they go, man, we've got to tell the people in the city. We can't just do this. So they run back to the city and they tell them. And sure enough, the king sends some men to investigate, see if it was a trap. And it, it wasn't. And they're blown away. They tell the city, they open up the gates and the people flood out. And it says by that evening, um, that they, they did. They sold a shekel. They sold uh, the fine flour for a shekel. And within 24 hours, God had completely flipped the script. And I don't know what situation that you're in, but I want you to know that it's the same God that, that we serve that flipped their script that will flip yours. That if you go, God, right now, we're in a famine. Right now, we're in a place of lack. Right now, we need, and we don't have what it takes because we need provision for a car. We need provision just so we can buy groceries or so we can keep a roof over our head or whatever the situation is that God took them from the most dire situation and within 24 hours, he had completely flipped it and prices had gone from extreme crazy back to normal and provision was there. The, the, the number, number two thread that I begin to see wove, woven through this, this lesson that I learned was that our God can take the bitter and he can make it sweet. He can take what seemed like an attack and he can make it into something that'll bless you. When the people of Israel, they, they left Egypt. So you've got this massive group of people, roughly 2 million-ish people that, that come out of Egypt. They've just escaped from the, through the 10 plagues. God split the Red Sea. They went through it. The army that was chasing them gets, gets swallowed up underneath there. And now as they're crossing through this desert, there's this need for water. And they are, they are in desperate need. Water is important. In case you were unaware, water is super important. You need it. And so they're, they're in this panic of, and, and it's not a unfounded, like it's legitimate. You do need water. And so they go through and, and they, they get somewhere and they find this water at Mara, uh, which means bitter, named after the water because they get there and they discover that this water is bitter and it's poisonous. And they're like, they had their hopes high. They're like, man, there's gonna be relief. There's water over here. And they get there and then they discover that they can't even drink it. And they're just so upset. They're like, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? Like the water's bitter. We're, we're gonna all die. And God delivered us from Egypt, but now we're gonna die in the wilderness. And, and Moses turns to God in Exodus chapter 15. And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log and he threw it into the water and the water became sweet. The Lord made, them, made for them a statute and a rule. And it goes through and it talks about it and it just kind of blew me away. First off, throwing a log into a lake doesn't make the water better normally. But when you do what God says, amazing things can happen. But it was this shock of the enemy attacks and if we'll give God things even in an attack, God can make things that were bitter sweet. In, in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it says that we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Ah, when we put our trust in God, no matter what the attack, he can turn it around. When I was in third or fourth grade, we had a, was, I think it was at the Wednesday night service, and 
were there in class for Sunday school and we had a, a sub that was gonna do our Sunday school class and, and he was really cool. And he, he went up to the board and he goes, he, he drew a picture and we just looked and we're like, this is amazing. And he goes, put something on the board and I'll turn it into something cool. And so somebody like did some kind of wiggly line and he looked at it and was like, oh, that's gonna be this. And he, he turned it into someone's hair and turned it into a person and we're like, this is incredible. And we started drawing things and no matter what we drew, he could turn it into something. Someone tried things that were simple and he turned one person's thing into the Starship Enterprise and he turned... Uh, somebody else's stuff into hair. Then somebody was like, I got this. And they just like scribbled like crazy. And it was just this massive, ugly scribble. And he stepped back and we all looked at it and we're like, there is no way that is anything but a scribble. And the teacher just looked. Have one of these. And then he just walks up. Does this, this. And we looked at it and it turned into that Daffy Duck. We're like, how did you do that? How did you take this mess of scribble and, and, and turn it into Daffy Duck? You, you added feet and a beak and all of a sudden it completely transformed. And, and then it, it was amazing that he could take things that were trash, things that were horrible, and he could turn it into something that was beautiful. And what, what I saw is that God does this on a regular basis, that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but he comes to bring life and life more abundantly. And that if we'll turn to God, even in the middle of a mess, that God can turn it around. <clears throat> and I, I, could, I, I could preach on that and just spend my whole time in that one point. I have preached on that and spent the whole time on that one point. But I want you to know that no matter what you're going through, that our God, if we'll put our trust in him, can take things that are bitter and turn them around. He can take spots where you got fired and turn it into a spot where you get a better job. He can take spots where, where there is a, a problem and he gives you a solution that ends up turning everything around. And I have seen people, I have heard from people who, who are going, God, I don't know what to do because this horrible thing happened. And then they put their trust in God in the midst of it and they come out and they go, I, I, I'm I'm blessed. I am more blessed than if that didn't happen. I got a better job. I got this provision. I got this different thing that came because of it. Because I went through this and because I gave it to God, God did something awesome. The greatest attack of the enemy ever was when the enemy got people to crucify Jesus, our Lord. And that very attack of the enemy became the tool as Jesus became the sacrifice for all of our sins. God took what was ugly. God took, took it and he turned it around and he made it the very beautiful act of redemption for all of us. Number three, the next thing that I, I saw through this was that God uses different methods. Um, Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 17, he goes to the king and via uh, God's direction and he goes through and he says, hey, it's not gonna rain until I say so. And the king's like, whatever, crazy dude. And then God tells Elijah to go hide and he goes, and I'm gonna provide for you. In the midst of this drought, he goes, I want you to go to this brook. And he goes to this little brook and God has birds bringing him food. Ravens literally brought him bread 
and meat, and he sat by the river. I mean, he didn't bring ketchup because then it would have been all there, but he, he's getting this meal. And I don't know if you want to call it a ketchupless burger, if you want to call it like steak with a roll, whatever the case, he's getting food brought to him by birds. And it doesn't say like birds were coming that he could kill. Like they were literally bringing him food. It is crazy. And, and he's got this provision going on from God. But as he, as he sits there and time goes by and it doesn't rain and it doesn't rain and it doesn't rain, the brook dries up. And a lot of times I feel like that's where, where we can be. We can be there where God, God directs us and God provides for us. But somewhere along the, the way, our faith goes from being in God who brought us provision to the method that God was bringing us provision through. Whether that goes, hey, my faith now becomes in the job. My faith now becomes in this person, in these set of circumstances. But this is where Elijah finds himself, where the brook dries up. And when the brook dries up, God doesn't go, oh no, what am I gonna do? Well, I had this plan. Ravens are supposed to bring it to you, but now you don't have any water. But, but God doesn't freak out. God doesn't go, oh, I didn't know what to do. I didn't see this coming. God goes, why don't you go to <clears throat> Zarephath, go to a widow, and she is going to supply your needs. And so he goes to this, and it doesn't make sense. Like if you're going to provide for somebody, you send them to somebody who's got lots of money. You send them to somebody who's got extra but he shows up and there's a widow and her son. And this is in second, second, or no, this is in first Kings chapter 17. If you want to read this story uh, in entirety, but when he shows up at this, this spot, there's this widow out collecting sticks and, and he's like, Oh, Hey, how are you? Hey, could you fix me uh, a little cake, a little piece of bread? And she just looks at him and goes, no, I can't. I'm gathering sticks to make my last meal for my son and I. We're going to eat it and then we're going to die. We're going to starve to death. So no, I can't get you, get you a piece of bread. And he just looks at her and goes, oh, okay. Well, could you go get me a piece of bread first? And okay, that just seems shocking, but she doesn't. She goes, I'm gonna honor, honor him as a prophet. And I don't know if he introduced himself as, hi, I'm a, Elisha the prophet, but I'm the, or Elijah the prophet of God. But he goes through and she, she obeys. And when she does, it says that the oil and the flour didn't run out. For the remainder of the drought, they were provided for every day. She'd go in and what she thought was gonna last her and her son, their final meal, lasted the three of them every, every meal. And they just would keep scooping and they keep pouring and it would just keep coming out as God provided for them. And I, I, was, I was blown away and I'm like, oh, that's so cool that God would miraculously make the container not run out. And it's easy to think that this is something that God did thousands of years ago that God doesn't do now, but God still does these things. I was talking about testimonies and my mother-in-law the other day, she said, oh yeah. And she, she stayed at a time where their car was running out of gas and she got out, turned off the car, went around the car, laid hands on the car, prayed for the car, got back in the car, started it up and had a full tank of gas. Remember my, my father was sharing about when they lived in Mexico and they didn't have, have, have really any money. And they had their propane tank that, that cooked all their food and, and did everything for them uh, was out. It was running out and they, they prayed for it and it lasted months when it should have been, been out. I remember being in college and, and God 
provided for me. And I remember it becoming this thing where it was like a game to me of how is God going to provide? Because when I got to college, I, I, my, my parents taught me a bit about money and how to use money and navigate money. And, and so I wrote out a budget and I wrote it out to the penny. And I discovered that with the, their currency and the way that the, that the prices of things, I was going to need $152.50 a week in order to live with the bills that I had. And I got a job and I was not going to make that. I think I was going to make like $150. And I'm like, God can supply $2.50. He's got me. And then God just spoke to me. I just felt it inside that I was supposed to give more. And I'm like, God, no, that, you, you didn't hear me. I'm short $2.50. And God's like, oh no, I want you to, to give some more. And I argued, God won. And so I gave the more, but now this is going to put me into a position of greater lack. And I just looked and said, okay, God, you've got me. And it was the craziest thing because there was weeks where, where God would supply my needs through sales, where I was working at a, as a telemarketer and we got a commission on things that, sell, that sold as well as our hourly rate. And so I'd get some sales and there was other times where I wouldn't get the sales, but my boss would just randomly go, all right, next person who sets an appointment gets a bonus or whoever gets the most appointments in this many, you know, in the next hour gets a bonus or the, whatever. They accomplish something, they get a bonus and, and I'd get a bonus or there's times that there'd be no bonuses at work, but somebody would walk up to me and they're like, how are you doing? And they give me a, a handshake loaded with cash. And you're like, yeah, sweet, I'm gonna eat. And there's other times where people would just invite me over and or, or I would go to a, like I went to all sorts of spots where I had free food, enough free food that it offset the, the deficit in my budget and allowed me to get through the week because they would, they would supply my needs in just the most crazy ways. And it was so cool, but it literally became this, like almost game of, I know God's got me. But it, it didn't always come the same way. It didn't always come through, through bonuses. It didn't always come through sales. It didn't always come through someone handing me cash. It didn't always come through free food. But I just knew, I was like, all right, I can put my trust in God. And the only thing I know for sure is that my God is faithful. And that no matter what's going on, I can trust in him. God's source, may ch his, his method may change, but God stays my source. And as God does these amazing things, as I, I was looking through this list, I noticed that time and time again, that God used what they had. That sometimes they had nothing, almost nothing. But even when they had almost nothing, God still used it. Another widow in 2 Kings chapter four comes up to Elijah. She goes to Elijah and she says, you know, help me, help me. My, my husband is passed away and she's a widow. And we owe this money and the debtor or the debt collector is coming to take my sons away. He goes, she's like, help me, help me, help your servant. And he goes through and he goes, well, in 2 Kings 4, 2, tell me what have you in the house? She says, your servant has nothing in the house. Well, except a jar of oil. And so she sits here and she goes, I don't have anything. Oh, well, well, may, well, all that I have is. And so often that's how we feel. God's like, well, I want to use you. Hey, I want you to give. I want you to sow. And we're like, yeah, but I don't have anything. Well, all that I have is. Well, and Elijah looks back at her and goes, all right, go collect jars, as many as you can. She's like, what? 
Go collect jars. And she collects a bunch of jars. He says, all right, now take your little jar of oil, your little bit of oil, and pour it into all the jars that you collected. Like, okay, there's a little bit of oil. There's a lot of jars. How is this supposed to work? And so she just goes and does it. And she, she told her kids, hey, go, boys, go gather as many jars as you can. She gathered them up from some neighbors and she pours oil into the first one and her little bit of oil filled the whole jar. She, That's awesome. Bring me another one. And she fills it up and she fills it up and she fills it up. And she fills up as many jars and finally she gets to the end and she goes, bring me another jar. And there they go, there is no more jars. And then she, she's like, well, this is amazing. She's got all these jars full of oil. And she comes back to the prophet and she goes, what do we do? And he goes, well, sell the oil and then live on the, live on the income, pay the debt and then live on the income. And whether it was her oil or the, the widow who, who fed him first or the little boy who gave his, his lunch to Jesus that Jesus multiplied and fed to 5,000 people, whether there, there, there was time and time again where God used what little they had. And God did amazing things. Sometimes we need to put our trust in God and there's this amazing instructions in John chapter two, verse five. In John two, verse five, this is what it says. Jesus' mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. And she, she says this about Jesus. Jesus shows up and they at the wedding, they're out of wine. And she sends the servant, she comes to Jesus and goes, they're out of wine. And he's like, so what does that have to do with me? And she turns to the servants and is like, do whatever he says. And Jesus looks at them and, and gives them crazy instructions. He's like, hey, you've got these giant water, these giant pots for, for washing. And he looks and goes, fill them all with water. And they're like, go, go. Why? Just fill them with water. So she said, do whatever he says. So she go, they go and they fill them up with water. And then he's like, oh yeah, take some of that water that you just, you know, take up, dip out of one of those pitchers and go take it to the master of the ceremony. And they do, they take it, they run over there. He, he drinks it. And in John 2, 7, uh, oh, no, it's slightly later in, in chapter two there. But the, it's verse 10, the master says, everyone else brings out the choice wine first, then the cheaper wine after. The guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best until now. And they were blown away as they followed God's instructions that didn't even necessarily make sense. They saw God do amazing things. And I don't know where you're at. I don't know what exactly you're going through, but I want you to know that God is faithful, that God provides and now I look at these different stories because sometimes we need a reminder. We need a reminder of who he is because when we know who he is, then we can cast our cares on him. Then we can put our faith in him. In, in Matthew chapter six, verse 31, he says, don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what should we wear? He said, the Gentiles eagerly seek these things, but your, for your heavenly father knows that you need them. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and these things will be added to you. Philippians 4.19 says that my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. In 2 Peter 1.3, it says that seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and to godliness. I don't know what you're going through, but I know that God is the answer. I know that God is the supply, that God is your refuge and he invites you to cast your cares on him. He says that not to be anxious about anything, but it, with, it, with prayer to bring our request to God. 
and that when we do, that he will fill us with his peace. It says it in Philippians chapter four, verse seven, and it says it in Isaiah 26, verse three, that when we do, that he will fill us with his peace. And I wanna pray for you, but I want to lead you guys in a confession in a moment as we confess who God is as our supply. But if you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life, I want to give you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. If you say, you know what? The most important thing that God supplied was forgiveness. I, I talked about the attack of the enemy when Jesus laid down his life for us and God took what looked ugly and made something beautiful. He made forgiveness available to us. God is our supply, whether it's finances, whether it's food, and even when it's forgiveness. And if you've never received that forgiveness and never made Jesus the Lord of your life, we're gonna do what the Bible says and we're gonna call on his name. And I wanna invite you, whether you're in your living room, whether you're in your car, whether you're in the, on your computer, wherever you are, to join me as we declare God to be the Lord of our life. God, I believe that you died and rose again. Thank you for loving me, for washing my sins away. I choose to live for you from this day, day forward. I declare that you are my Lord forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen.